0: Welcome back to the Dr. Body, Mind, Soul podcast. My name is Dr. Jude, and this is a podcast which explores how we can integrate modern medicine and alternative therapies to help you get the holistic health care that you deserve. I will be speaking to healers and seekers, researchers and authors who will share their experiences and the evidence to help guide us all to holistic health. Let's do this. is a coach, educator and author of Calm Your Gut, a mindful and compassionate guide to heal IBD and IBS using science, self-love and intuitive eating. Welcome Kara. Hi Jude, lovely to be here. Lovely to have you. I feel this conversation has been quite a long time coming. So it's really great to connect with you on the podcast and share the wisdom that you have kindly outlined for us in your book. And I really want to start where your journey started. Can you outline a little bit about your personal healing journey and why you felt it was so important to write the book, Calm Your Gut?,
1: Oh, thank you, Jude. Um, I'd love to answer that question. And it's I think it's so interesting, isn't it? When we work in the healing space, we're often driven by our own experience, we're often driven by our personal story. And so sharing very much my personal experience was I was a young kid with a lot of gut problems I always had difficulty digesting. I always seemed to be the person who showed up at a party, even when I was seven or eight. And I was like, I can't drink fizzy drinks. I feel uncomfortable and bloated. And I couldn't articulate it, but it's like I had IBS like symptoms really, really young. Um, before we were talking about the term IBS, really, we're talking, this is in the 80s when I was a child. And you no, know, we weren't really talking a lot about gut health as a problem. And then when I got to school, I had further problems into secondary school. And finally, at university, I was diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease.
0: And that's what we mean about IBD in the introduction. So just to differentiate that point is, is is IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, and IBD, inflammatory bowel um, disease, two very distinct um, medical problems.
1: Yeah, and actually sometimes initially in diagnosis, it could, as you know, it can take quite a long time. People might be dismissed as "oh, it's IBS when actually it is inflammatory bowel disease and they're quite different treatment protocols for each condition and IBD in terms of potential severity is obviously significantly worrying and it's, it's really important to get the right diagnosis. Um, so for me, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis um, and as you do, I was in my teens, late teens, when I was diagnosed. I kind of took it on the chin. I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense of things." On with my life. Um, I was given medication, and uh, and that was that. But actually, not long after my diagnosis, I became really, really ill. I was studying at London, at London um, King's College in London. And I was just struggling. I was in pain. I had like urgency, rushing to the toilet. And I ended up coming back home to spend some time with my parents um, because they were really worried about me. And then not long after that, I ended up being, my mom took me into A&E and I um, was just in a really, really bad way. I'd lost a lot of weight. And effectively, I kind of like, it was like an internal hemorrhaging. I was just bleeding very heavily. Um, and I remember as a young person that little bit of disconnect between, oh, right, I'm actually seriously ill, I'm in AE, and seeing the face of the registrar who looked worried. And then I started to get very worried. And at that point, the consultant took my mom aside and said, there's a possibility we're going to have to operate to remove Cara's colon. Um, we're going to give her like 48 hours to respond to these very powerful intravenous steroids. And I was just out of it um, to the point that that night um, in the hospital, I remember very distinctly feeling like I was not in my body, like I was separate from my body, that my body and I were distinct. And I had a feeling uh, in the early in the early hours of the morning, two nurses came around and said, um, oh, her blood pressure is still really low. We need to add another drip." And I had a very strong sense of being away to the side of my body watching this happening and and it was a real sense that oh I'm not my body I'm something separate and the next morning um I woke up and I was just it was the lowest ebb of my life you know I felt completely exhausted doesn't even I just felt like emptied like emptied of my whole sense of of self really just exhausted and again, I had a real strong sense of being outside of myself. Like I could almost see this very frail being, this very frail body, and I felt this really strong sense of compassion, like all-encompassing compassion, like this poor, <laughs> this poor person lying on the bed, so exhausted, so kind of um, frail. And I just felt like, wow, what what can I do? What can I do to support? What can I what 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 can I do to help? And obviously I was in hospital for several weeks. I was weaned off the intravenous steroids. And at the end, um, my consultant, who was lovely, was kind of like, well, you're really lucky. You missed, you missed surgery, like really, really close. You're on this medication for life. That's pretty much it. I remember seeing a dietician, again, he who was really lovely. was just focused on helping me put weight back on because I was so emaciated but there was no other real conversation about anything else that might have led to it or anything else that was in my power to do and I remember leaving and I and I still had a lot of healing to do even when I left hospital because I had to put on weight and I had to kind of grow back my muscle and you know I was in a really kind of um in a really weak state and I've got to say So I was very fortunate. I responded to the intravenous steroids. And I know some people don't. And I know sometimes surgery can happen very, very rapidly. And and when I wrote my book, I spoke to people who had very traumatic experiences, a very sudden loss of their colon, um, you know, very sudden interventional surgery. And that in itself can be, you know, really complex and challenging psychologically and physically to go through. Um. And I think my experience, my it, it, it's it's a very personal experience, but I think from it I want there were things I wanted to share that I wanted to hopefully to inspire a different way, a different lens at looking at illness, but in particular our relationship with our gut.:
0: mm. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's really powerful. I really hear such a distinction in when you were so unwell, feeling so separated from your body. And when you were getting better, a real reconnection with your body, like your body started speaking to you as, and you really started to understand intuitively what your body needed. Um, There's a real distinction there about illness and wellness, I think overall. Um, And just to point out for anybody who doesn't really have an understanding of inflammatory bowel disease, the degree of inflammation in the body can cause the bowel to bleed and that bleeding can be really significant. And sometimes the level of inflammation can be so severe and cannot be taken under control that actually the colon itself needs to be surgically removed. And as in your story, Kara, it's really it's it's really sadly common for it, these big flares, dangerous flares, to occur in late teens and early twenties, because there just isn't the understanding um, about um, how to prevent a big flare. There's not an understanding around um, what we can do, and actually, as you're pointing out right now, even on discharge you were never given a handbook as how to prevent big flares outside of taking immunosuppressant medication, so medication that actually suppresses your immune response. So can you outline like what approaches you took in order to learn how you could take control of that Um process sort of trying to find a way in which you could reduce the amount of medication contemplate coming off lifelong medication um in order to keep your bowel healthy
1: yeah yeah and that's such a lovely summary actually of of the condition and the experience as well and I think if anything very much the advice I was given is with like a low residue diet which would be a low fiber diet and what we now know about our gut is actually our gut is really beneficial to have a high fiber diet. But it's it, when you obviously have an irritated and inflamed a gut that's not coping, actually, yeah, checking a lot of fiber at it isn't really going to help at all. Um, so there needs to be some skill and some care about the process and about the kind of timeline of reducing inflammation in the body. Um, and for me a lot of it was actually connecting to myself like that part that you just said about really starting to listen to my body and honor my body and honor after I got unwell I just really had some time out and I started to deepen my meditation practice with a lot of support support from my family I was very lucky I was young I had you know it's kind of like okay let's just let's just take a kind of a stop here let's just take a pause point and um I started as I said earlier like really tuning into the intuitive aspect of what I was eating and I was a a vegetarian but I was an unhealthy vegetarian I think that's a really important thing to say sometimes when you take out meat or you take you know you become a vegan or plant-based it's really easy actually to just restrict the diet and it becomes very limited and I wasn't necessarily cooking pulses or legumes i I wasn't i wasn't that kind of vegetarian i wasn't even eating a lot of vegetables i think i I was like a cheese on toast vegetarian it was a very limited and i look back now with my deep knowledge about the gut microbiome and what we need to do to support our gut health and i know that diversity is key That having a really wide-ranging diet which is full of real food not processed food (laughs) So I was eating probably quite a lot of processed cheese, quite a lot of processed bread. Um, I even went gluten-free, but actually I, I know that gluten-free, a lot of gluten-free products can be, as you all know, Jude, really high in emulsifiers and preservatives to create this, the kind of imitate the softness of bread. So, um, but what I was really doing was listening and I would I would literally go to the supermarket and I would pick up food and I just hold it for a second and I would touch my belly and I would just kind of yeah I'd put it back or I'd pick it up and I kind of I just had this sense of either a lighter feeling and a more healthy feeling or a heavier feeling and a kind of more actually kind of like an inflamed feeling it would feel and I think this was At this time, because I'd been so ill, I think it was like my body was like the volume of it communicating to me had just been turned up, but I was really listening. I was also really wanting to tune in. I was actually starting to speak to my gut. So when I learned at this stage that, um, the stage I left hospital, that I'd almost lost my colon, I was a bit like, what does my colon do? Almost lost it. What does it even do? So I started to get really curious and I started to research and learn and also to go in and tune in and go, my lovely colon, please hang around. Please stay with me. How can I take care of you? What do I need to do? And I think just that willingness to listen and tune in was really powerful at a time when I just hadn't been connected. I hadn't been tuned in. I'd just been 100 miles per hour, rushing on with my life, slowing down, tuning in, listening, and um, breathing, like really breathing into my belly was a core practice. Like it was like, yes, let's breathe in, let's connect, let's tune in. And...
0: That breath, I guess, that gives you just a pause, a, a pause to break the habitual kind of picking up into the trolley action and I just really am visualizing you picking something up taking a breath connecting mm. in to self and be like is this what my colon wants is this something that's going to feel supportive to my colon and just that breath slowing down that decision making process and actually tuning into your body and getting the response from your body totally changed the game
1: really powerful and I think when we think about ourselves as you know as a human animal which we are actually animals in the natural natural environments are deeply intuitive about how they eat they will seek out foods they know they need. And I think human beings, we can sometimes feel disconnected because there's a whole, I mean, we've got to speak to this, a whole industry of food, which is hacking into um, our, know, fat and sugar and salt and all of those things. And when that's very much front and centre, you just, that's what you choose because that's in front of you and there's billions of dollars of advertising and food design and mouthfeel that makes that all kind of quite irresistible. I'm just being really honest because, of course, that's true. But when we go deeper and when we slow down and like you were just saying, yeah, holding a fruit vegetable, I felt it needed to be skin to skin. So it often would hold something. It felt like it was more powerful. Mm. Um, and when I look back, I didn't know it at the time, but I was naturally following an anti-inflammatory diet. It was very Mediterranean. It was very much fruit, nuts, seeds, olive oil, vegetables, it was just naturally I didn't even know what an anti-inflammatory diet was right then but I was actually starting to follow it which is, which is just begs the question
0: because I think a lot of people I mean I find that so fascinating because that is so um beautiful and true like when you as a when when we um we crave dark chocolate and we crave chocolate because, you know, it's got iron in it before our periods. Like we are naturally craving what our body needs. And you were craving an anti-inflammatory diet. Now tell me more about what actually an anti-inflammatory diet is because we all know that, um, you know, I think we we all are all getting a better understanding about the power of inflammation in our, in our bodies, more, Holistically, than even just focusing on the power of that in our guts. But it's really difficult to know what an anti-inflammatory diet is. Now, you've mentioned the Mediterranean diet. Is that what an anti, is that an anti-inflammatory diet? Tell me more about what makes a diet anti-inflammatory.
1: That's a great question, Jude. And I just want to say. Um, Interestingly, as my knowledge of gut health has deepened over the years, there is actually now specific anti-inflammatory protocols for people living with IBD, which have got a lot of really interesting research and funding behind them. So, um, And these can be really specific kind of guidance because there's some slight differences between Crohn's and ulcerative colitis in terms of the patterns of inflammation and, and some of the very specific guidance that's offered. And I'm really happy as part of this to, to send some links and share some more information. Um, UMass University has been leading on this in the States, but I, I'll I'll share, I'll share a bit more. When I focus very much on the best advice that I have looking at everything, looking at all the evidence around the kind of anti inflammatory protocols and is I tend to talk about the three P's to good gut health and they are probiotics prebiotics and polyphenols. And this beautifully supports an anti-inflammatory diet. So probiotics are things like eating our live bacteria. So it's eating live yogurt, kefir, kimchi, sauerkraut, all of these wonderful ways of eating um, good quality bacteria. They're getting good bacteria into our being. So prebiotics are all of fruits and vegetables. The skin will contain fiber. The fruit and veg itself will contain fiber, but also grains, nuts, seeds um the legume pulse families all of these are wonderful sources of prebiotics and prebiotics effectively like fertilizer that support and feed our bacteria to flourish and then polyphenols effectively, when we eat the rainbow, when we eat different colored foods, this is about creating an anti-inflammatory environment in the gut, so it's really supporting the gut to, um, the gut flora, the gut bacteria to thrive and, and flourish. So that in the protocols I've talked about, they focus a lot on that and they're supporting each meal to have some element of the three P's of probiotic, prebiotic and polyphenols, which is particularly supportive, the health of our gut and the function of our gut. And then to go back to your your other part of your question around gut compassion and mindfulness, I think the piece for me is sometimes you can make all of the dietary changes. You can do everything. Maybe whether you, you're living with IBD or IBS, you go, you, you follow a really strict protocol. You work with an amazing nutritionist or dietitian. And yet, sometimes things don't quite get better. And that I've seen that and I've worked with a lot of people in this space where. They're working really hard. They're doing complex protocols and complex elimination diets. And sometimes it can get very um, tense. There can be a kind of real tendency towards orthorexia. So they're moving towards such a strict diet that they're restricting what they're eating so much. And I have real compassion, heartfelt respect and compassion for people who are really grappling. Sometimes very much on their own because their GP is a bit dismissive maybe when they come back with repeated IBS symptoms. Um, sometimes they haven't even got a diagnosis but they're still having real problems with their gut and actually our gut is a complex system and there's different ways that it can fall out of balance um and so sometimes people come and they've been doing or maybe they've had some really good outcomes but then things get derailed and often when you unravel that and you talk and you explore the narrative and the story, it's often there's a stressful life event um stress is a big factor maybe uh there's been a bereavement or a job change or a relationship breakup or some circumstance which has actually been the trigger for the repeater symptoms and even with the best dietary protocols and doing all the right stuff they're actually struggling and this is the place of um mindfulness and self-compassion because in that space it's so easy to get frustrated it's so easy to kind of start to be really tough on yourself and it can get really kind of quite intense and quite complex and quite restricted. And so, and I know this, I've been on a long journey. It's not like I had my diagnosis and then click, everything was sorted. Actually, I, I don't, I've i been dancing with my gut health and learning and deepening my knowledge over many, many years. And now I have a real personalized insight and I know what works for me and what doesn't. And I bring that flavor of actually let's give some space let's get some breathing space in when things are when when our gut health is is not working very well we can also look to this beautiful interplay between our gut brain axis so it's a two-way it's a two-way relationship what we eat can actually support or dysregulate our mental health it can have an impact but also if we are highly stressed or overwhelmed or feeling down that can also play a part in how our gut behaves as well and we know this we know the kind of ancient biology of this with our fight fight and freeze mechanisms don't we and how that can impact our gut health and when we're really stressed out a simple thing is it's actually very difficult to digest food effectively you know our salivary glands close up our digestive system stops working our gut just wants to kind of maybe lose the load you know, you might have an urgency to go to the toilet and that is like absolutely makes sense as an evolutionary device it's like you don't need to be eating if you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger it's not essential activity we shut it down but obviously in our modern environments where we often have micro stresses throughout our day whether it's just clinging on our phone and getting loads of emails from our difficult boss or messages you know in a from our children or a relationship breakup or whatever it might be even even if it's just micro stresses for those of us who I think have a sensitive digestive system our system just stops working it's like it just shuts up shop and it's like well no but then we're eating but our system isn't receptive already or able to process properly so the way I bring in the tools of mindfulness and self-compassion is we just start to become more aware firstly it's just tuning in more to our gut and tuning into more the sensations and connecting getting out of our being our head and dropping more into our body and literally dropping more into our belly and some beautiful breath practices around that connection with the belly so that when we make it when we are preparing food or we're going to eat food that our body is actually ready ready to take on those beautiful nutrients ready to absorb them and that we are receptive to that so we actually can regulate our nervous system and learn how to tune in so that we are we can actually digest effectively Mm.
0: because it's not just what we eat it's also how we eat could you outline i guess cuz you know so many of us are eating on the go what and we're not stopping to rest and digest and we're just we're just eating mindlessly mm-hmm. what kind of symptoms can result from
1: eating in that way I think so many, because each of us is quite unique in how we respond, but things like bloating, things like um, acid reflux, um, but also if we're eating rapidly, it's like we're actually giving the digestive tract an additional burden because we're not necessarily chewing our food very thoroughly. And we know that we get amylase released, so actually we start to break down carbohydrates in our mouth by just mechanically breaking down the food but also starting to release the right digestive enzymes so that takes some of the pressure off our digestive tract and I and I just think um Some people are really blessed with a system that's really resilient. They can check a lot at it. They can eat mindlessly. They can eat what they want, go out for a curry, have a few beers, and they seem absolutely fine and imperturbable. That's that's great. Good for them. (laughs) But a lot of us are not like that. A lot of us, actually, we need to have a lot more kindness and a lot more consideration for our system. Now, I am, even after years of working with my gut health, I have to slow down it's not it doesn't like me chucking through at it mindlessly it doesn't tolerate that very well so I do have little rituals that I incorporate to support and it can be as simple as putting a hand on the belly just to connect taking a lovely breath into the belly so we're just taking a breath I tend to encourage through the nose and then sighing outwardly and doing that with just being aware, it can be lovely to put the feet on the ground so we're grounded in the body, having an awareness of the openness of the front of the body. And then, now my shoulders are dropping as I do this. And I think as little as three breaths generally can be enough to communicate to the body, ah, oh, I'm safe. I can drop into rest, digest, tend and befriend. I can be in that space. And then the body has more receptivity to eat. And simple things like just having gratitude. I sometimes will just encourage in a retreat setting or working with people just to hold the bowl up for a moment. Just breathe in, breathe in what they're eating, look at it connect because all of those beautiful cues a smell the visual sight will actually help the salivary glands work will enable the digestive system to find oh, okay we're preparing to eat we're preparing for food and that's why signals like sitting at table sitting with people are such powerful ways of actually supporting our gut health because actually all of those can start to drop us into parasympathetic and have been shown to Stimulate the vagus nerve, which is this beautiful long wandering nerve that connects our gut and our brain. Smiling, breathing, eating together. All of these can be beautiful ways of actually tr- of communicating to our body. You are in a position of safety. It's okay. Relax. Let's digest this meal. Let's, let's eat together.
0: It sounds and- crazy in a way. like just It sounds so crazy that we're having to outline these steps because not even that long ago we were all sitting at table every evening after you know our day's work but we were then setting up for an evening of relaxation with our loved ones that started off with sitting around a table with our families. Um, A lot of people would say grace or have some sort of ritual around Um, gratitude before we ingested our meal we were eating a meal of vegetables and rice and 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 pulses and meat and we we sort of gathered around this this whole um, experience which intuitively and inherently prepared our body to do what it needed to do with that meal and yet We've arrived in an age where all of this needs to be spelled out, you know, like step by step because we are so disconnected from that way of living. And that disconnection from how we are supposed to live is leading us to be ill, you know, and, and get symptoms. These are all symptoms of of living in a way that, that doesn't feel good and isn't good for our bodies or minds or spirits it's just um yeah that really struck me that really struck me
1: and I love how you've just echoed that back as well Jude because it is so simple and it's like deceptively simple but in a time when so many of us are, are eating on the move or we're eating to like in the evening to a television show, slightly mindlessly, you know, and and it's okay. I don't want to put any judgment in here because that's not very helpful. (laughs) But this is about like coming back to the really simple aspects of actually how our digestive system works and flourishes and how we support it to thrive and cope well. And so what what can be really helpful is to have points in the week where we really go into the ritual and we actually find we do lay the table we light a candle we sit and we maybe say a line of grace that can be beautiful way of coming back and remembering like re-remembering that's actually how our ancestors our grandparents our great-grandparents would have eaten Uh, but it's but so there's a few things happening that are causing a lot of the issues of our gut health is, one, we've had a really significant dramatic change in our food culture, particularly in the West, in a very, very, very short period of time. We're talking about years, decades, very short period. But also the ways that we're eating have significantly changed because now we're often eating isolated, we're often eating on our own, we're often eating really, really quickly. It's almost like fuel in. On the way, and actually, ultra-processed food supports that because the nature of it is it doesn't often need to be chewed very thoroughly. It's actually designed to almost be like it comes into a kind of mush, and then we drink it down. (laughs) So it almost bypasses that normal process of like actually processing. And then we know that the other the the what we're eating, the ultra-processed foods, it's often causing a lot of issues because our beautiful ancient gut bacteria that live within our gut microbiome. Are designed to eat real food that's why they love fiber because fiber is found in real whole foods um and our gut microbiome are particularly struggling with the ultra processed foods and highly processed foods in our modern western diet because they're full of chemicals that effectively these beautiful ancient bacteria that are much older than us they are millions of years old modern humans are only about two hundred and forty thousand years old the bacteria are much older than us, and um, they have just not evolved to process this. And so what we're happening is the how and the why are coming together, the, 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 sorry, the what we're eating and the way that we're eating are coming together in a really kind of a perfect storm, which is causing a lot of issues with our gut health. And um, when we understand that, it's kind of unraveling, okay, let's make some changes to the diet, but let's also allow particularly if you already have a sensitized system let's get that safety connection um, and slowing down back in so that your system actually has the opportunity just to process and just to work with the foods that you're then hope for the healing foods that you're then providing Mm.
0: yeah yeah and can you Can you explain a little bit more about, because your work is not only about mindfulness, but you've got a big focus on compassion. And this part of your work is something that I really love and actually has influenced how I treat myself in lots of different ways. So can you explain the role of compassion in your overall holistic approach?
1: Yeah I'm really happy to and I love that um that you're connecting to yourself in a compassionate way because this is about a fundamental relationship with myself where I'm being kinder and I'm listening and that makes the whole healing journey so much easier but I've got to just put a health warning on this is that we in our culture here in the West, we're not that great. And in Britain in particular, we're not that great at being kind to ourselves. We know we, we're kind of, we can be quite tough. We can, we can think that that we've got to, to get results. I've got to be really tough. I've got to be like, oh my goodness, I let myself down there. I had that or at that. And I've got, to, I've got to be tougher. And I want to almost question that as an approach and just say, what about if you need to be kinder? and i think that that's the key
0: difference to your approach is the fact that it's not coming from a place or you're not coming from a place of what i would like what my, what my body would like in the moment but how can i actually show my body real love how can i make a choice almost made by someone who has love for this body so it really it really takes for me for me it's really helped coming from a lens of compassion has really helped me exercise but exercise moving out of, a, out of out of an exercising out of like punishment and something that i feel i have to do and something that i feel i need to be disciplined and tough to do but actually something that i might i would love to do for my body like i would love to just changing that mindset changing the intention behind behind doing exercise or eating healthily or eating well like instead of that being a punishment and being something that restricts me by changing the language that I use for myself like oh I have to eat I have to eat this or I should I should eat this into what can I choose that my body would love it really, it really, there's something fundamental about that slight shift in mindset that actually really allows me to make choices from a totally different place. Um, And instead of it feeling like a restriction not to eat, for example, a donut, like how am I going to, like, how do I really feel after a donut, for example? And there's nothing wrong with the odd donut, by the way. But, you know, it's, it's just... It's been an important been an important, just, subtle, but important mind shift of just moving from what would I like in this moment to what would my body love in this moment. And there's a deeper sense of real care, almost like parental, unconditional um, flavor to that language that then allows the behaviors that follow that language. To shift and not only shift, but shift from a totally different space and a totally different energy, which then allows you to cultivate a totally different relationship with yourself. Um, And you become almost like a loving parent to yourself rather than a really heavy handed mistress. Um, which can be, you know, that's an unsustainable relationship, really if if you're if you're beating yourself into submission of a very restrictive and diet that you don't want to have, but you have to have from mm-hmm. um, actually a diet that's going to nourish and support and care for you. That's a completely different mental approach that you can cultivate. Um, and in that cultivation, totally transform the relationship you have with yourself, which then allows a totally different way of living, moving, cooking, eating to follow.
1: And it's, I, I love how you've expressed that. And what's interesting is I've even found some studies which have shown self-compassion can have an anti-inflammatory effect in the body. So this is about what we're doing when we're coming from a place of greater care. Is again, we're communicating a sense of safety. We haven't got an internal battle where we're kind of one part of this is going, we should be doing this, and another parts is like, yeah, but I want to. What we're actually trying to do is align more and go, okay, how how do I support my best well-being? And, I'm, and I'm, there's a lot of there's a lot of noise in our society, in our culture. We get a lot of different messages, but it's also encouraging a tuning in to the self, a connecting in with the self. And I don't want to make that too complex or too unreachable I think that's actually as simple as a few breaths as simple as a kind of a hand on the heart and a hand on the belly I mean that's one of the core practices that I um, cultivate personally and that I share in retreat settings and it's just like dropping in checking in connecting to our actual being Um, and it's aligning sometimes we can feel out of alignment like our head saying we need to do this but actually when we feel more aligned and we're more kind of in our heart we have more sense of compassion and kindness to ourselves and we connect in with that beautiful intuitive wisdom that is within our gut then actually it becomes easier to sustain change over time it becomes easier to make those changes that then we feel better we feel lighter we feel healthier like you saying after the donut yeah how do you feel and yeah of course this is about a flexibility This is about all things are welcome we don't necessarily need to be um having the idea of a restrictive diet this is about really encompassing incorporating but we're making sure we're getting the good stuff in we're making sure that's a really core cool part of our life that the, the healthy food choices are there the other thing i would say is this is about fundamentally changing our lives and fundamentally changing our wider food culture because our individual choices shape our wider food culture as well. And I think this is about, not about, I'm gonna do this for a few weeks and this will fix everything. It's actually much more about, we eat healthy for our whole life, not just for our gut health in the short term, but we know our gut health shapes our immune system response, our metabolic health, now so much evidence around our mental health. Uh, So, Having a healthy diet and eating in healthy ways is going to be protective towards pretty much most chronic conditions, most chronic health conditions that we know in the West. So, actually, what we're doing is we're enhancing the quality of our life and we're supporting our longevity. And over time, we will 100%, as a formerly highly anxious, stressed out person, on my quality of life, the quality of my mental health, my well being a hundred percent better a hundred percent better so if I'm like just being an advert to promote what I'm saying an advocate and also having seen this and work with many people in different settings it can be really tangible even even in a few days or a few weeks there can be really significant changes happening in in how we feel both in our body but also how we feel mentally and emotionally when we make these changes
0: especially because it starts with a relationship with ourselves and we connect to ourselves and we connect to what we deeply want then we can make all of these decisions that stem from that so much easier and i think that's where your approach stands stands out and so how are you so how, how are you working these days because i know you've mentioned retreats and you've worked working with with clients tell me more about um how you're sharing
1: this work with the world Oh, thank you, Jude. So I do some one-to-one coaching. So I'm an accredited coach. So I very much work in the embodied somatic space. So I do a lot of work where we just very gently explore the gut-brain axis. We look at like really personalised tools of calm because we're all slightly different. And I bring a real strength, flavor of self-compassion. So I really support clients to start to establish some really lovely practices that are very personal to them, that they can bring into the pressure points of their life. Um, And I also do retreats. I'm sharing with you a bit earlier, I'm really excited about, there's been a real hunger and a real longing for people to come together and meet. So I do some lovely uh, small group setting retreats um i've got some just outside of london and i'm on a beautiful organic vineyard where we do a day where we look at um, healthy eating breath work compassion practices and i collaborate with an amazing nutritionist, and together we bring a lovely mix of science and self-compassion so it's a lovely combination um and i've also got a residential retreat in scotland later this year in october so Um, I do and I do lots of talks and workshops I go into corporate and educational settings and I go in and I talk a little bit about the gut microbiome and we do some lovely practices together just to kind of tune in to the belly and the breath and a little bit of mindfulness and self-compassion so I offer many ways to work with people and really to see how people are drawn to connecting really and I'm I'm always happy to have a conversation about gut health because it's my absolute passion
0: Mm -hmm. and how can people find out um more about the work that you are
1: doing. So they can check out um the mindfulgut.co.uk. Um that's my website. And they can also follow me on Instagram, mindfulgutuk. Um and um, I'm yeah they can they can find out much more. I'll make sure i give you some notes as well for the um end of the podcast if you want to catch up with me. So
0: yeah. Wonderful. All of those details will be there. And um and yeah thank you so much for all the work that you've done which will really support people who are still going through what you went through um and I'm really happy to know that there will, there's more resources available for them through people like you um that can really support them to reduce the impact of such of of such conditions for the rest of their lives so thank you so much for the work that you've that you've done to bring the conversation so much further forward and really use your personal story to help so many people um in in the years to come so thank you so much
1: oh thank you jude absolute pleasure thank you thank you for
0: listening body mind soul seekers if you want to connect with trusted alternative therapists learn more about what they do and how they can help you, check out my new holistic healthcare platform, The Witchy Women. Or if you are a holistic healer that wants to serve and help more people, book in a discovery call with me. Find more details at thewitchywomen.com. To show your support for this podcast, please share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Thank you all so much. Until next time.